This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry, the Cats Paws. Derek, here we are uh, one day until Kentucky-Tennessee kickoff in Knoxville. Yeah, uh, quick week, seems like, with uh, everything going on. Uh, A lot of SEC news this week, Sean. Really the first big COVID kind of – I mean, obviously it's been a topic the whole year – caused the season to be pushed back, everything. But in terms of actually affecting games and coaches, uh, this week has been a little crazy in that regard. So as far as we know, though, everything's still good with Kentucky and Tennessee. And really no news out of those programs at all related to that. No, uh, that's, a, that's a good thing when you're four games into the season and you've not had any news around your program. At, at some point this year, Derek, I, I expect a Kentucky game to be impacted in some capacity with COVID. I think that that not – maybe not on Kentucky's front, but right. we've seen how quickly this can change that if you just get through the week, it's a blessing, honestly. I mean, you look at what's happening with Florida. Florida just played a game at Texas A&M a week ago, and now they don't have a game. LSU had a game moved for a hurricane, and then here they don't get to play this week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah. – it's, 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 it's wild. So, you just – it's really – it's week to week, but honestly, it feels like it's day to day with this thing right now. Oh, there already seems to be some thought that uh, Kentucky's bye week might be a week earlier, and they might push the Missouri game back. I think it has to do with uh, the rescheduling. That's just a rumor. It's nothing from the league or anything. Um, if that were to happen, it would still put Kentucky's bye week. It'd actually be an even five and five. They'd play five games before the bye, and then five games after, which might not be a bad thing. But as it is. Um, it's going to be a fun game, I think. On, oh, maybe not a fun game on Saturday. You think it'll be a fun game? I think it's going to be a good game. I do. I honestly do. I, I fun, think uh, that you know, I feel like it'll be like a uh, a rock fight, maybe two two defensive type, uh, I would say, minded teams. Maybe. Neither team with a great offense. It might, it might be a little struggle. Derek, I'm I'm buying into 2020s. Just been so weird that the opposite's going to happen. Uh, these Shoot two out. really, these two haven't played a good football game. In a long time. Like, I don't think last year was ugly. The year Kentucky won in Lexington, they turned it over four times, and Tennessee yeah. didn't have any turnovers. I just – I don't think that anyone – that the, either of these teams have just played a an exciting game of football in a long time. Maybe tomorrow will be that. And we're going to talk about that on this episode. We're going to answer your mailbag questions to start. Um, we're, you're going to you're get two episodes today. You get the football episode with the mailbag and the SEC predictions and Kentucky-Tennessee predictions, and then you're going to get a basketball and basketball recruiting episode. We're going to try to fit all of it 
I think about two 15 to 20 minute episodes as planned. We'll see. This one might end up <laughs> go to 25 for all we know. But uh, let's go ahead and jump right into the the mailbag, Derek. Okay. So if if you send in a question after 11:30 a.m., if you sent yours in after, we'll get to it on the next episode. We'll just answer whatever question was additional. So this comes from Riverboat Ron. When could we expect a decision on Olivier Sar? It's a hell of a name, Riverboat Ron. Um, I wish I could give a, a, a clear answer on that. I would think with the season starting up next month, it won't be much longer. And what, I, what I'm not totally sure on, maybe someone's done some reporting on this, is what that additional year from the NCAA means for his case because the whole deal with the SEC was that if you had, uh, what, less than two years of eligibility left, yeah, you would have to a, sit out or have, yeah. a, a, have another waiver or whatever. Well, I guess technically he would have two years of eligibility left now, correct? He would. So which would, by the way that that rule is written, would deem him eligible, in my opinion. I, I think he gets eligible, Derek. I, I don't think that they will rule him ineligible. I, I really don't. If if they do, and, a, and how weird 2020 already has been with COVID and all this other stuff, and the you see the rules and you see – everything changing in collegiate athletics with transfers and all this stuff. Joey Gatewood got eligible. It, I just don't see any way that this kid isn't eligible at Kentucky this year. I actually think official practice started yesterday. So yeah. or, was they, yesterday? I thought it was today. Uh, the 15th was the okay. first day of official practice. Well, I wrote that wrong um, on the story then. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty sure it was the 15th. And – I think you get. I think we'll hear something. Honestly, it has to be next week, right? I mean, surely they're they're in, they'll be into their first full week of official practice. They you have to let this kid know. You have to let Kentucky know, right? Well, I thought he would have known by now. I mean, they they pushed the NBA decision back, right? Uh, gave kids longer time. It's been months ago that they did that, and I thought he would have heard something by then. But I don't know. I, I'm with you. I think he will get eligible. Uh, there's no reason for me to think that he won't. If you hadn't heard, um, I'm sure you have by this point, he has been cleared by the NCAA. It's just a, an issue now with the SEC. So whenever the SEC makes a move on that will be uh, when it's decided. So, Sean, we, I got a question here for you. It is from Trey Gross. Uh, and the question is, everyone in the country – now this is some uh, editorializing, I think, by Trey here. But everyone in the country would start Chris Rodriguez over A.J. Rose at this point. Is our coaching staff's stubbornness its greatest strength when back against the wall, but biggest weakness in times like this? Wow, that's that's a really good question because I, I think I think it is their I think it is their biggest weakness like this because they I thought it, I thought it's been their biggest biggest weakness the entire time that they've been there. Uh, yeah. I felt like let's let's take it back four years when it was Benny Snell. And it was his freshman year, and you knew that that was who the guy they, they needed to go to the most. And they still went with Boom early, and Benny sometimes wouldn't even get carries in the first half. I remember a game; it was at Tennessee actually, where they didn't really roll with Benny until later in the first half in certain situations. I, I think it is Derek. What do you, what do you think about that question? I think it's a good question. Appreciate Trey sending it in. Um, I do agree with him. I, I would certainly upset it here. Uh, it's time for Rodriguez to be the guy. Uh, and that doesn't mean to replace Rose altogether. But I, I do think there is a strong sense of loyalty towards certain players. Um, 
I think Terry falls in that as well. And I'm not saying Terry needs to be benched. I'm just saying it seems like for some players there is longer leash than others. And I know quarterback's a different position too in terms of how you handle it. Is it a positive in some cases, though, that the staff doesn't react immediately to, yeah, I mean, to performance or something because it, be, it takes some of the pressure off these kids a little to an extent? Yeah, I mean, you have to have a, a patience to a certain extent. Like, I mean, Kelvin, Kelvin Joseph was not playing well those first few weeks, and then he – they didn't bench him or anything. They just kept going with him. Uh, he had a pick last week. I would imagine before the year's over, he'll have more. He'll he'll play some good games. So from that sense, I get it. But, uh, you know, the way I look at it too, though, is is there a clear better option behind Kelvin Joseph? Like probably not. And yeah. is there a clear better option behind Terry? We don't know that. They have guys who I would say have higher upside for sure than Terry, but that doesn't mean they'll help him win right now. But AJ is actually a tangible case where, Rodriguez has been very productive pretty much every single game he's ever played in at Kentucky. And he's a guy who, at this point, it should be his backfield. That's my opinion. Uh, will it get to that point? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm going to be curious to see how Jatama McLean mixes in. If he gets out there and has a good game this weekend, how will he factor into that? And, you know, at some point, Kavase Smoke's going to be back this season. But I'm with Trey. I would go with uh, – I would go with Rodriguez, and in terms of if, if they're too stubborn, perhaps uh, sometimes. But you know, we'll see where it goes. I'm telling you, he's going for 150 to 200 against a quality SEC defense at some point this year, and he's going to win Rose? a football game. No, Chris Rodriguez. Oh, okay. Yeah, Rose. No, uh, I mean Rose will have his moments and things like that, but no, Rodriguez is the that's the guy that they got to go with. And keeping it on the football topic, this comes from Dylan Barnett. He, I think this is his second time entering the mailbag. With Pretty both sure. Kentucky, with both Kentucky and Tennessee having stout offensive lines and solid run defense, I believe this game will ultimately be decided by which quarterback has the better game. What kind of numbers, stats does Terry have to put up to give Kentucky a chance to win? That's a really good question, and I actually think that he's yeah. really he's correct on that because I we've seen well. the quarterback position. Garantano was a difference maker the year they lost in Knoxville, and then coming in the game and changing the momentum last year, Derek, he was a difference maker. I think that Dylan's right. I think it will come down to the quarterbacks. I don't think Terry has to put up, like, huge numbers. I think Terry just has to be efficient. He can't turn the ball over, and he has to at least impact the game in some aspect of passing. Like, there has to be something getting the ball, advancing it down the field via his arm. It can't just be all legs. Yeah, uh, what do we always point to as Terry's best game at UK? Florida, right? Florida. I think his numbers were something like 11 for 16, for like one yeah. passing touchdown. He had uh, – or sorry, two, two passing touchdowns, Bowden and Bouvier. But he also had a rushing touchdown, so he accounted for every score in that game. Those aren't numbers that jump off the page. But uh, I, I, I totally agree with Dylan. Uh, you know, I think Garantano has some better weapons around him. I think he's a more proven quarterback despite kind of how – I wouldn't say hated. It's probably too strong of a word. I don't think that Tennessee fan base is very fond of Jared Garantano is what I'm trying to say. Whereas if you've watched some UK quarterback performances over the years, they probably would have really benefited from having a kid like him. PFF, so, ranked, PFF ranked the quarterbacks going into this week in the SEC. Terry's ninth. Garantano is 13th. And that's not just based on a week-to-week thing. That's through three games this season. I think Terry's numbers have always been enhanced by 
the fact they don't take many risks, I don't think, with him. Uh, he's only thrown that one pick this year, right, at Auburn. It's the only one that I can remember. Would you rather see him take risks, though? Because it feels like at times that they don't even give themselves a chance to make big plays because they don't try to make big plays in the passing game. Against Ole Miss, they didn't need to. And last week, they, one, couldn't run the ball. And two, any time, and you've seen it over and over again, when Stoops feels good about how the defense is playing, the offense will do virtually anything it can to not just turn the football over That's and true. put them in a bad spot. So what I'm trying to get at is to get into a point where you get down this game and you have to make throws through the air. They did it on that final drive against Ole Miss to force overtime, but, I mean, Ole Miss is the worst defense in the league probably, maybe even worse than Vanderbilt. It's just a terrible defense. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Kentucky in that regard. It's just probably not a true representative of what you'll see most weeks. And there's just not a whole lot of runs here. I agree with you. Like, he's going to need – he'll need to run the ball well for sure. If they get into a situation where they get down though in this game, that's where I think it might get. Anytime with this Kentucky offense, since Terry has been back there, and maybe even Steven to some extent, not as much, but especially with Terry, if they get down and defenses can just pin their ears back and know that a pass is coming, it's it's tough for any team, but it's like damn near impossible. It seems like for Kentucky to start moving the ball when that happens. My one thing on Terry that I think he really struggles with is. He he doesn't stand in the pocket to me. He he likes to once that pressure gets there. I think he loses vision. I think he loses sight of receivers. I, we've seen him a lot this year, Derek. That he just he he would prefer to throw it to the checkdown guy than to really throw it downfield. And that's not just something this year. We've seen that in the past. And you and I have discussed: is that coming from him or is that coming yeah. from the coaching staff? We don't know. Uh, but you know, even on that drive against Ole Miss, it was the checkdown guys. It was those throws that got the chunk yardage to set them up to even have a chance to – or they tied the game up in the fourth quarter. I think Terry, ideally Saturday, he has to play turnover-free football. Absolutely. If he could if he could get – if he gets to 160, 170 yards passing, gets 10 to – 10 plus completions, I don't know how many times they're going to throw the football, but as long as they have some success on the ground, if he can get that production out of his arm – and complete some and, and me to me it's completing those third down throws when they're yeah. when they're in passing situations. If he can make some plays there, I think that's the stat line that gives Kentucky an opportunity to win the football game. And then two, Jared Garantano's luck has to run out at some point, right? If uh we talked about it yesterday with Wes, when teams put him in situations and presser situations, that's when he struggles. Kentucky's defense, they need to come out and play one of their better games, I think. I think they need to come back, and if they can get some takeaways like they did last week, maybe it rattles him. I agree with that. Um, if Pasco doesn't play, I think that's a huge loss, no question. But, you know, Garantano is not really a statue, but he's not he's not going to hurt you. I mean, I guess he's a little bit more mobile than, like, K.J. Costello, but I wouldn't say, you know, certainly not in the same range as Corral or Nick, so maybe somewhere in the middle there. Something I thought about, though, Sean, and I can remember in 2016, I think I might even ask Stoops this question, when Josh Jobs was finally done, because Josh Jobs like killed Kentucky every single year. He did. So I'm starting to think it's not just a, uh, you know, Jared Garantano plays well against Kentucky. It's like every quarterback for Tennessee plays well against Kentucky. And I don't know yeah, if that's – that's a different scheme back then too. So I don't know what the hell the problem is there. But uh, it just seems like Kentucky's defense never plays that well against Tennessee. They they don't. And uh, that's, the, that's the group that I think uh, will – 
win the game for Kentucky this weekend will be that defense. If that defense goes out and has one of their better games, let's say it's their second best game of the season behind what they did last week, I think they have a chance to win. Can uh, I throw a hypothetical at you? Throw it at me. If Kentucky gets down yep, two touchdowns, ten yep. points, yep. something like that. I already know what you're and, about to ask. Uh, and the offense is uh, struggling a little bit, do you think they'll go to Gatewood? Absolutely. I told you, think you that. there'll be a quick trigger this year? Or, sorry, this there, week as opposed to last week. There's a there's going to be a very quick trigger this week. I, I think if the offense sputters in the first quarter, I think they switch. Even if the game is still like 0-0 or a one-score game, I I think Stoops realizes that he has an opportunity to win this game if they play well. And if you win this game, it gets you on track to at least have a path to 5-5. Five and five. Put yourself in position. You can you can you can kind of save this season if you actually in my opinion, salvage the season if you win this week because yeah. this is the one that you can hang your hat on at the end of the year and be like, okay, we got that out of the way. We won in Knoxville. I do think that the leash will be shorter this week because I don't think that you, can, you can't you can watch that offense not do anything. Did we read the quote from Stoops at the Wednesday teleconference? We did not. Let me let me read this, and I, we'll talk about it. We'll let fans decide for themselves because this might have been something that was – glanced over because I know I'm guilty of it too like I don't even really get on the teleconferences anymore so I think it's a thing that kind of slips through the cracks for a lot of fans but uh, the question he was asked about Gatewood I don't know exactly what he was asked I, I think mostly just what he's seen from him from this point and here's the quote definitely impressed with Joey and you and you definitely can see the talent I think he picks things up very well goes through his progressions he has the arm that can put the ball anywhere on the field and he's big and physical so we'll see where it goes I mean, Terry's our starting quarterback and really need Terry to have a big game here this week. But Joey's ready to go along with Bo Allen. I've been super impressed with Bo as well. Again, I think both of those quarterbacks are progressing well behind Terry. So what do you make of that quote? I make of it that it was uh, Terry's the guy going into this week. But if things aren't working, we're going to look at something else. That, that's That's what I make of that quote. Because if you have to come back and say Terry's our starting quarterback, then you know you're already thinking what everybody else is thinking too. And it, and I hope Terry goes out there and plays well Saturday. I hope he goes out there and the offense is moving the ball uh, because, I mean, he, we all want to see Terry do his thing and play well. But at the same time, you know what you have coming up. Yeah, You've got to get this offense figured out. You've got to get something that resembles any type of passing. And it's not all on Terry. That's something that we've talked about on the show for the last week and a half, that guys are dropping balls that they shouldn't be dropping, like Rig dropped a ball in the middle of the field that would have been a big play. Harris has had his issues with drops. Receivers aren't getting open. They've got to get something going. But at the same time, you got to try something else. Let's say that Joey goes in there and it sparks. We've seen this in the past with, with, with other teams, so why not try it at Kentucky for once? Tennessee didn't have a problem with it last year. You know, when Maurer was struggling, then you put Garantano in. Like, you just uh, – I think as as a coach, you have to do whatever gives your team a, the chance to win on that Saturday. And I think that Stoops will do that this week. The defense was playing so well last week that it really – they were going to win that game regardless. But now, Kentucky's offense will have to make some plays Saturday. For sure. It, it does seem like Stoops has been – uh, not always. Uh, he's been. I think he's kind of been a mixed bag. Like I think there have been times that Terry's leash has been long. Um, 
I'm even thinking, you know, 26 or 2015, they kind of had the, I went, so at what point did they go to Barker? It was late in the year, right? It was like, I know he started the Charlotte game, but they pretty much rode with Tolls like that whole season for the most part. I mean, for the most part, most of that season was still Tolls' job. Um, you know, they did have a prepackaged thing for Drew Barker there early in the year when he got hurt, uh, coming off an injury in 2017. And then eventually it became clear that Steven was just their guy. So, and then 2018, he went with Gunner against Central Michigan to get a spark before eventually going back to Terry. So I guess, uh, that might have been unfair to say that he has a, a long leash. I just feel like it, things have to be going pretty poorly, I guess, for him to really consider making a change. And I, and I can, I can get it last week because, like you just said, they, they had that game pretty well in hand with how well their defense was playing. And I can kind of understand just trying to get out of there, not creating anything because that's the deal. Like it becomes a thing. If Gatewood gets in there and, and does anything, like it becomes a thing, like a quarterback controversy. And, but Sean, in my opinion, like it's probably inevitable, inevitable that it's going to happen this season at some point. It looks like it. I mean, the thing was is what Gatewood did at the end of the game last week, it didn't spark contra- quarterback controversy like within the locker room or – within the team. Sure, fans saw it, and if it had been Bo Allen that gone in, we wouldn't even be talking about Joey Gatewood. We'd be talking about Bo Allen possibly moving in and taking the job this week. But I just think it comes down to production. And if Terry and that offense, if they're not getting anything out of the passing game, you at least got to look elsewhere to at least get it figured out, or this team's going to only win three games. Yeah, I think season. judgment day is coming for a lot of these guys on offense. Uh, some of these receivers who maybe haven't been playing well, I think, you know, they're kind of running out of time, I think, this season before the coaches start to look elsewhere. I would almost be in favor, too, Sean, of maybe giving Terry a chance with some of those new guys before, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, I think like it might be fair to him to – like you said, last week was just like an all-systems failure. I don't, Nobody played well on offense last week. I mean, Rodriguez averaged like five yards a carry. I guess he had a pretty good game. McLean had one good run there at the end, but, like – like you talked about, Rig, who's usually pretty sure-handed, dropped a big pass. Harris, I couldn't tell one of those out routes. I couldn't tell if it was his fault or Terry's fault. It wasn't a super accurate ball, but it looked like he could have had it, which has kind of been the case a lot with Harris this year. Uh, yeah. Ali didn't get a ton of chances either. So, And and Harris is obviously getting open if he's dropping this many balls. Yeah, that's, that's the, the like, silver lining for him is like he's gotten a lot of targets. So he, he does a good job getting open. You would hope that he can figure out whatever – Trouble is, is kind of well, having you saw start. him. They raved about some of the catches he made in fall camp. Heck, we got to see video of one of them inside the ten yard line on one of the videos. Uh, but I think I think you're right though. I think you've been right since week two. There's a youth movement coming, Derek, and it's not across the entire roster. It's at a certain position. It's at wide receiver. Uh, I'm interested in seeing how the tight end reps shake out. I do think that Keaton Upshaw could have a huge game this week. He and would, that and that helps Terry. If if Upshaw becomes a target, if Rig becomes a target, to me I'd lean Upshaw because I do think that he's the honestly, Derek, he should be one of the best tight ends that they've had. Just yeah. given the way he looks, we've seen him be effective in the red zone and what limited opportunities he's had. I think that he's a guy. But next question, and this sort of plays into everything that we've been talking about. This from this comes from Chad Coulter. I think that's how I say your name, Chad. Sorry. Who is the best overall athlete on offense and defense? I can't come up with an answer, and I think that's why this has to be a team effort season more than ever. Derek, he's right. Because yeah. uh, we've mentioned that there's not a Lynn Bowden. 
or there's not a Benny Snell really on either side of the football. I think that they have a lot of really, really good players, and it's a collective thing. But does someone have to emerge at some point, though, for this team to really do, I guess, be go from good to really good? Yeah, that's a great question, Chad. Um, I'm sitting here trying to think. I don't – in terms of athlete, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, the best player. Like, to me on defense, it's Pascal. I think he's – I think Pascal's done a great job every single game this season. I think if you want to talk about a, a potential star, it's him. Because I do think Josh will be back next year as well. I know he's just a junior. And I don't know if he'll get NFL looks or not. I think, I think some teams will consider it, but I don't know if it will be high enough for him to go ahead and go. So I think, like – as you turn this thing over going forward, he's someone to build a defense around for his next, I don't know, what, 18, 19 career games, whatever he might have left. Offensively, though, that is actually a pretty difficult question. I'm trying, it's a trying very to difficult question. <laughs> I mean, Honestly. maybe, like, I almost want to say Rodriguez, but, if, like, if you're talking about, like, I don't know. Like, it's it's tricky, too, because that position, they're always going to play a lot of guys anyway. And I think – I don't think Rodriguez is, like, in that Benny range where he – just no. be a clear number one and anyone else is just going to spell them. Like, I think they're going to continue to just kind of split reps there. So that's, that's a, that's a tough question. And I, uh, it's a pretty good example as to maybe what, maybe we minimized going into the year, what the kind of struggles the offense might face against really. I don't, I don't think we've seen the best athlete on the field yet on the offensive side. I, I think one of these younger receivers, like a Michael Drennan, might have a case to be yeah donut. I mean, I, I we've heard all about him in high school. You've watched his tape and stuff. I, I think that you could see that on the defensive side, Derek. As far as athlete, I really like Jordan Wright. Like yeah. just as far as pure athlete with length and the plays that he makes, uh, I think they have good athletes. But I think that's a really good question, though. That's a that's a very good question. We've known in the past who the guys were and who the best athletes were on both sides of the ball. Mike Edwards in the secondary, Josh Allen up front. They've they've had those guys. Uh, just a really good question. But thank you all for submitting mailbag questions. Like I said, if we miss one or if one comes in late, we will get to it on the next episode. Uh, make it out to the Butcher's Pub this weekend. Two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Get out there, try the wings, try the buffalo chicken sandwich, the rest of that menu. Uh, all those drinks, they have live music. Uh, catch Kentucky, Tennessee at noon. Eastern time on the SEC Network. Stick around throughout the day. Watch the rest of college football. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook for more daily specials. Derek, now we're going to move into the SEC slate and make our predictions. Thank uh, you last week. Did I? Pretty sure. I had a bad week. Uh, let me go back and look at week six. You picked Kentucky, right? I did. Or did you take, okay. If you took Kentucky, you definitely edged me out. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Because <laughs> uh, we've all we've gone, yeah. I went Kentucky. You didn't. That's the first week that we went opposite on that one. Did you take Arkansas? And that one, yes, I did. I I took Auburn on the other podcast, and then I took Arkansas on this one. I was almost right on that though. I told you that that would be. And then I the whole Missouri LSU thing. You remember me saying I don't feel yeah. confident enough to pick Missouri, but I think that they could win this game. But I didn't pick them. Yeah, you got me. I, I'm, I have a really hard time with numbers on the fly. I, you definitely picked more right than me last week. So I don't know where we are overall. Maybe I need to write that down at some point. But we can hop into this week now if you're ready. And Yeah, and it's and it's a weird week. There's two games that are postponed. So you can yeah. cross off LSU, Florida, which is unfortunate. 
because uh, I always look forward to watching that matchup. And then Vanderbilt, Missouri. So here's Missouri, you know, had a game moved. Then Vanderbilt, uh, they just in a bad spot with numbers that they Vanderbilt's couldn't. close to probably just saying to hell with it this season. and <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not winning. Definitely not getting to that one and a half on the, no. <laughs> the preseason because this so hurts their chances. Uh, there are five games this week. Two of them are at noon. We'll start first with the other noon game opposite of Kentucky, and that is number 15 Auburn, still ranked at South Carolina. This could be Will Muschamp's chance to get a win, a big win here, because uh, I I told you last week, I think I, I just don't feel good about Auburn. I think, honestly, Kentucky's better than Auburn, Derek. I, I really think Kentucky's so. a better football team than I do. I think that if Kentucky and Auburn played now, I think Kentucky would win. With three games under their belt, I think that some of those first-game jitters and some of those mistakes, the fumble, the interception on the goal line, I think, honestly, they would have played a little bit cleaner game. But I'm going South Carolina. I'm going to go South Carolina and Columbia. I don't think that's a crazy pick. Uh, By the way, Bo Nix was rated under Terry in those PFF rankings. He was 10th. Yeah, I'm going to take Auburn. Um, that's kind of a sneaky good game. I mean, I don't know if it's like a nationally great game, but in terms of like, I think that'll be a pretty competitive game. So I'll take Auburn. So someone will get the leg up on the other with that game. So then the other noon game, we talked about it. I guess this can be our official pick, though, uh, for Kentucky at Tennessee. Oh, this is the first time I'm going against the Cats this year, and it's because history is not on their side. I'm going to go Tennessee with a final score of 27 to 21. 27, 21 balls. Yeah, I'm going to take Tennessee as well. I'm going to take Tennessee 24, Kentucky 13. And if you guys are looking for that's an ugly game. Good omen though. I've picked wrong every single game for Kentucky so far. So I'm picking Tennessee here. If you don't look at it this way, if I'm wrong again, you guys will be very happy. So and if you're looking for see. something for me, I don't know what I'm talking about because I've clearly <laughs> – I'm one and two in Kentucky picks. I'm on three, so uh, maybe I'll get a win this weekend, maybe not. Uh, but that takes us to a interesting 3:30 game. It's Ole Miss at Arkansas. Arkansas, a heartbreaking loss last week. Looked like they recovered a fumble at the end of the game. Auburn continues to – just get the benefit from the SEC officials' office. I don't know what the hell's going on there, but they've been getting it a lot. Uh, and Arkansas, you know, playing pretty well this year. But Ole Miss's offense is fabulous, as we've seen. So what do you think about that game, Sean? That might be a good game. It's it's, it's very intriguing because I, I don't know what to make of it. Arkansas lost a heartbreaker Saturday. How did, how did they respond? Uh, I do think that Sam Pittman has been playing really good football, Derek. And I, I, I like this Arkansas team. I like what they're doing. I think Felipe Franks is honestly doing a really good job there with them. Uh, Ole Miss and that offense, they're going to put up a ton of points. It's at Arkansas. I'm going to go with the Hogs. That's not a tough game. Uh, I'll take Ole Miss just because I think that offense is real. And uh, obviously their defense is just as bad. But, yeah, I'm going to lean Ole Miss there. So this will be an interesting week to see how our picks go. First question I have to you as we move on to the next game. It's a 4 p.m. Has ESPN always had a 4 p.m. slot for the SEC? Is this something different for this week because of the game that's, that's different for this week. I don't oh. ever remember SEC having a 4 o'clock slot. 
I don't either. But those teams that will be feeling it, uh, it'll be number 11, Texas A&M, fresh off a huge win over Florida last week at home. They'll be traveling to Starkville to see the team that Kentucky just played, Mississippi State. That line's interesting, too, Texas A&M really? by five. Huh. You know, coming off that big win, Mississippi State with a loss to Arkansas looked completely lost on offense. Uh, it's in Starkville. Derek, is, is this a situation where Texas A&M has a huge moment, has a, a high against Florida? They, do they? Is there a concern for a falloff against Mississippi State? I think Mississippi State just looked so bad on offense the last two weeks that it's hard to hard to say. I like A&M in this game. I do too. I'm going A&M. I. I, we talked about their schedule on yesterday's episode that they have. There's a path to finish nine and one, and should be favored in every single game. But if you're going to be taken serious after beating Florida, you have to take care of business against Mississippi State. That is a kind of a small line, though. Just five. It is. Guess- All these lines are close. Three and a half for Auburn, six for Tennessee, two for Ole Miss, five for A&M, and then in the the matchup that everybody's going to be watching that night, Derek. That's why I'm glad that our game that we cover is at noon because yeah. I'll be sitting at home in my recliner and kick back hopefully if I don't fall asleep because I've got a really big problem lately of falling asleep at <laughs> halftime. So number three, Georgia at number two, Alabama, Nick Saban with COVID-19. Will he be on the sidelines? I saw where he has to have, I think, three negative tests and then two within 24 hours. So will Saban be on the sideline tomorrow night? That's the that's the first yeah. prediction. Good so question. let's hear that. Do you think he'll be there? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I didn't hear anything about whether it was a false positive or whatever. I, I know Desmond Howard tweeted that he thinks he'll be on the sidelines. It seems to me like he'll have to maybe get in his Mercedes and drive separate. I doubt he'd be traveling with the team today, right? I mean, probably no <laughs> yeah. way. Or, well, no, it's, sorry, it's, sorry, it's a home game. Yeah, yeah. He, he has a short drive to the stadium. The, yeah, okay. If, well, if this were a road game, there's no way. Yeah, I don't okay. think he's there. But with it being in Tuscaloosa, I'm going to call that he's on the sidelines tomorrow Maybe. night. They I might have I, him in a hazmat suit, but he'll be he'll be <laughs> there. If he's not there, that's a huge. I mean, that's just such a different vibe for those players and for him. Uh, Alabama wins it. That's either way, my pick. either way, I think Alabama wins it. I think that that's a program, and it, it might we might be overstating how important Saban's presence is. But I feel like that that program is such a well-oiled machine yeah. that in his absence, I mean, he coached practice via Zoom the other mm-hmm. day. I, we can barely do this podcast via Zoom some days, let alone coach a football practice. But I just think that there's a level of pressure that comes with being a Nick Saban assistant when you're facing a Nick Saban coach team. And Kirby – Clearly, I mean, he's close, Derek. This this would be a huge win. But I'm going to say this. I think Georgia's more likely to beat Alabama in the next matchup of these two teams than they are in this one, even given the circumstances. Why do you say that? Just because I, I just feel like that it'll be at a neutral site. I think mm-hmm. that Georgia's offense maybe by then will have some things figured out because that's the side of the ball that they're struggling. Sort of, if you can say struggling, but that's the side of the ball that they're not as good at right now. And I think that if I'm Kirby Smart, honestly, I'd rather lose this one and win the next one. If I had to pick one, I'm going to lose. I'm going to take the dogs. Ooh, man, we went opposite on a lot of these picks yeah, today. I'm, I, I'm not sure how confident I am in this. I do think Georgia's defense is phenomenal and – but this will be a, a very big test for young Stetson Bennett, the 
fourth or whatever he is. Well, that was my other point, too, is that I just feel like by then you've got eight or nine games in with him. Mm-hmm. Now, same could be said. If Georgia wins this game, Alabama, whoever wins this one, I think loses the next meeting. Is what I'm, I'm already kind of doubting this pick. I don't know if this is a good idea, but I'm not going to change it now. <laughs> I do think Georgia's defense is going to show up and, and play well. Will they have enough offense? That, that kind of hurt them at times last year. So we'll see. Um, if Saban's not on the sidelines, it makes it feel a little bit better just because, I, just, I don't know, it's just it's just a weird thing to not have your head coach on the sidelines with you. It is. So Sir, uh, It's definitely weird. Uh, but what's going to happen is one of us is going to go like three and two and the other's going to go two and three or something well, like that this week. So we went opposite on the first game, the second game, the third game. And the so we only picked one game the same, so that that's that's why that's why you want to listen to these episodes because we're that's the most. But that I think Derek that that sh- sort of shows how this league has already been, how this year's already been. Like I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be even taking a second to figure out if I'm going to go with Arkansas in a football game, and I almost did it last weekend, and then I did it today, South Carolina. I just don't – I'm not impressed with Auburn. That's what I go back to, and I'll keep going back to that. Now, if they go out there and they hammer South Carolina this weekend, then maybe I'll change moving forward. But this has been our, you know, predictions episode. Uh, thank you all so much for the mailbag questions. We will get to some if there's some that came in late. Uh, you're going to get another episode, so you'll get this one early Friday, and then you're going to get the recruiting episode. I will publish that. I'm going to schedule it to go out at 8 p.m. Friday night. So that'll be some late night Friday night podcast for you, get you through the weekend. And then we'll be back to Derek from Neyland Stadium tomorrow. You and I will recap whatever happens in Knoxville for you Kentucky fans. I hope that you get to have some celebration this weekend. I hope you finally get to uh, experience and witness a win in Knoxville. Derek, that's something that you and I have never got to witness. So we'll be there in the press box and we'll see how this thing goes. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, always like the early games getting down there early. And uh, having it, you know, I say out of the way. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it. I know some people like waiting all day for the game, but I kind of like having it out of the way and getting to go home and watch uh, some other games. So should be a good one. Um, either way, like Sean said, we'll have you covered tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you later tonight. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. 